Hey, how are you? It's Mary Bicknell. Welcome to Lead a Life Uncommon, where every Monday you're going to get a little biz bite to start your week off right. And then every Wednesday, we're going to deep dive into all things personal growth, where my goal is to help you have an aha every single week. You know, this podcast is for you, for the woman who's the go-getter, who knows there's more inside. And you know what? You're ready to smash through that self-imposed glass ceiling so you can finally see what you're made of. Ready? Let's go. Hey, everybody. I have a special guest today, Kristen Boyce. And the reason I brought Kristen in is because she is an expert on, well, so many things. First of all, she's been a psychotherapist for 18, it's like 18 years or something, right? Over 18 years. Over 18 years. And she has a very successful practice. She and I have worked together. She's got um, all kinds of amazing things going on. She has her own podcast. She's writing a book. So I wanted to bring somebody that I knew could give you things that you need to help you this month, huh? the month of February or the love month have better relationships. So today our topic is going to be around relationships and the concept of toxic positivity. Part of the reason I love bringing Kristen on too, is I'm going to just ask her a bunch of questions about the confusion of toxic positivity, which is almost hard to say toxic positivity. So Kristen, welcome. So glad that you're here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mary, for having me. I love seeing you again. It's yes. So we had such a good time working together. Yes, and and catching up today. I love today, it. Catching up before we hit record. So I know about you, right? Obviously, I know a little bit about you. So tell us, you've been in, in private practice for over 18 years. For private practice since 2010, practicing as a clinician since 2002. And part of the reason you're here, Kristen, is because I do look at you as a woman who leads a life uncommon. I look at you even though we've worked together, right? I, I supported you and helped you with your business, but really it's all about that you are amazing and you've created something that most women in the mental health arena have never and may never create. So congratulations on your successful business. Um, so tell us a little bit about, I would love for you to share a little bit first about how you, cause this is part business. And then we're going to talk more about the positivity, um, how you decided to break out of the mole mold, excuse me, not the mole, break out of <laughs> the you. mold, <laughs> break out of the mold and really go big. So for those of you who are listening, who are not familiar with mental health industry clinicians, you know, we all want to help people and that's our badge of honor, which is great. We do. And yet there's some of us that are very business savvy and want quote more than the average common private practitioner. What inspired you to like go all out and create this incredibly financially successful and prosperous practice? I think the first thing I'll say is it happened probably despite me trying to make it happen. Yeah. Kind of counterintuitive. I came from, I was an executive at a fortune 500 company. There you go. Okay. Let's pause with that. Right. So you already came in with a different way of thinking. Yeah. I had a business mindset from the get-go and that helped me be relatable with clients that also owned a business that were on a track for building their dreams, following their hearts. That was an aid in my journey, truly helped me have a different mindset. I think that for starters, I was getting my master's degree when I was working in corporate America. 
Yes. So I worked for a consulting firm. And so that really kind of laid the landscape for me to have what I would call a rumbling through of the money mindset piece. Yes. Because I knew if I want to take care of my kids, I want to do the, you know, pay for their college or whatever, if they go to college, I want to be able to take care of them. And I also don't want to resent what I'm doing if I'm not charging enough. That came, that did not come at the beginning. That absolutely did not come at the beginning. I was like, I'll slide my fee. Sure. Come on in. And then I quickly (laughs) realized I'm going to get burned out. And then I'm not really creating the life I want, which is to have this life for my kids and my family. I'm not compensating myself for the energy it takes to pour into this business. And it's taking away energy from where my priorities were, which were my family. And so I had to rumble through that. You know, I want to just be the helper. I want to help everybody. Well, I do. At the same time, we all have to go, okay, what am I doing this for? I want to make a difference. I want to help transform lives. And at the same time, I'm responsible for this life I'm creating at home. To yes. be the parent I want to be, to be present, attuned, ability to connect with my kids. And if I'm stuck dry, I can't do that. So it was a real quick, oh, I've got to really lean into after me undercharging for a long time. Oh my God. For a long time, long right? Long time. Um, I've got to create the life that I want to, you know, for my family. And so it happened very organically people would say, Hey, are you hiring? And I'm like, well, I wasn't planning on it, but yeah, that you would be a great fit for the practice and what we're creating. So it happened with people asking if I was hiring. So that was a blessing in disguise really, truly, because it was the team that really just kind of started, keep started to form. And here I am going, okay, we're, and then those were the right hires really important to hire people that are the best fit for your organization, your vision or mission. And they were. And so that really has been a key form of the success of the, of the company is yes, for sure. There was a lot there. So one is that you came in actually as a clinician, having a background in, um, you know, corporate. And that's kind of like, you know, when I start, when I went back to get my bachelor's and master's, and of course my clinical license, I had already been in sales. I had already had an interior design degree and had an interior design business. And then the recession hit and, you know, here I am today. Um, So I think that that's really interesting too, for what you said, let's get to the money piece where what you said about women undercharging. So everybody who's listening, who's an entrepreneur, like really get serious and make a decision on what you want for your family. And that was part of your, your facet, your factor of, you know, looking at what you're charging, looking at where you're headed, looking at, it's like, you're responsible for your family. And I think so often, and I don't know whether this has something to do with how the toxicity in relationships is that we, we forget that we are, you know, that it's okay that we put our family first and our family first may look like we're building our empires. We are charging more than quote the average person or what have you, and that we are in business. Like if you're really in business, what's the reason? And it sounds like a couple of things, but definitely the money mindset, right? And I don't think it's just, it's definitely the money mindset having worked with a variety of industries. It's not just 
those of us in the helping industries, it really is. I mean, it just, you know, it's so many different industries where I, I think everybody needs to be charging a little bit more. So thank you for sharing that. Tell us a little bit about, so you really help a lot of people work in relationships, life transition, those kind of things. Let's talk about what is your definition of toxic positivity? Bypassing emotional distress, any Mm. kind of what we label as negative emotions. So it could be sadness, anger, grief, those, those deep feelings, we bypass those. And what we do is we push those down. What ends up happening with toxic positivity is we end up pushing those down into the body and that keeps us frozen in time. Mm. So if we're not processing what happens in real time, emotionally, our thoughts, our body sensations, our emotions, all the sensory input that gets frozen in time. So what I noticed with toxic positivity, it's like a bypass. Well, everything, you know, we just need to be positive. We just need to look at what we're happy about or find the joy in while that is helpful at times that can come after we've processed what's gone on in real time in the present moment. And we didn't get that memo. We didn't hear. We've got all these messages just, you know, in gratitude, there's definitely a place for gratitude. I'm a big gratitude journaler, right? Gratitude. And at the same time, I want to be able to hold space. It's an and in both for those other emotions. So being able to accept that we're going to have sadness, be able to accept that sometimes we're going to get angry and that's okay. It's what are we doing with those emotions? Are we harming someone else? Are we projecting them onto somebody else? Are we making someone else responsible for our feelings? Yes. Are we radically owning how radically owning and bypassing. So let's back up just a little bit, because I think it just was like a gut punch for everybody, including myself thinking about being frozen in time, just like, Oh my God, you know, um, being emotionally frozen in time. And I mean, obviously that's the work that you do is help people become unfrozen, if you will. And then in process. So, so let's start with some good news is that we're able to process these emotions now. And the question becomes, I'm going to ask the question, like, how do we know here's, here's so many questions, right? So many, cause of course I'm also like, oh my God, I think I do this with my own child. Oh my God. Oh my God. Am I helping her process her emotions, even though I'm a therapist and I, and a coach and all the things, um, how frequently, right. Do we do this? So let's really get clear on what's the difference between seeking the lesson within the whatever pain in the ass, the mistake, the whatever, or, um, between that and, you know, what, like if we're seeking a lesson, right. Or the concept of like a silver lining or whatever, or there's a reason I don't like when people say like, there's a reason for everything. I mean, is there, I don't know. uh, You can seek it. What's the difference between that, which sounds good. Right. And when does it cross the line into being that positive, um, toxic, Oh, it's such a good does question. That make, does that make sense? That makes perfect sense because we do this often in other relationships. So let's take example. Okay. Yeah. Our kid comes home, our teen comes home, our middle schooler. I'm we, worried now. I'm like, okay, hold on. I'm just like, I'm like wait a second. Because I'm like remembering things. I'm go, I was, I'm remembering. I'm gonna have to ask you and you can tell me how I can fix this, but you go ahead. Well, we all have done this. I would yeah. be 
totally. <laughs> if I didn't say I do this still, yeah. Oh, really? It would be a sham. I mean, it would be a sham right. because we weren't raised like this. This yeah. is intuitive of what we learned. So yeah. let's just space for ourselves to go. Okay, I'm not a per. There's no such thing as a perfect parent. Does right, not right. exist. And we're going, oh, I'm going to look at this in a different way now and try some new things on. So yes. we all have a middle schooler inside of us. It's yes. just fact of the matter. We all have an elementary little girl or boy in us. That's we have, right. See, we a high schooler. So the daughter comes home and we're just making up a story here, right? Right, right, right. No one sat with her at lunch. Yeah. She says, I have no friends. No one likes me. I'm not in the popular group. And we, our middle schooler comes online and is like, oh my gosh, I totally remember that. Tell me who these kids are that didn't sit with you. I'm going to go take care of them. And then we're like, well, you do have friends. You have so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And we start going into, let me show you that that's not true. You don't have any friends. Let me make you feel better. Let me feel loved and that you do belong and you're not a piece of crap. And so let me rescue you because I know that pain of shame and right And let me help you feel better. And instead our intentions are pure, but it doesn't land that way. So instead we say, oh my gosh, tell me more about that, sweetie. Yeah. Yeah. That is simple to me. I have no friends. So now they're processing. Great. What parents do is the minute they feel like they've got to help them out of that by getting them to see all the wonderful things about themselves. Well, you are so wonderful. I mean, you are so smart and you're so creative and you're, you know, what's going on, right? It's like Kristen's been in my house. Oh my God. (laughs) Yes. So then we didn't let them say, tell me more about it. Yeah. Well, I felt humiliated. Nobody would sit with me. And I felt like I have no friends. And you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I can see how you felt that it's okay to have those feelings. Let it out. Yeah. And then they're crying. Great. They're processing. Now we can get into the other. Okay, good. Cause I was like, when can we, when do we, you know, like, because my, my, yes, go ahead. My instinct is and has been, and I know I'm not alone. That's why you're here with, as the expert on this topic, you know, I think my instinct has always been, I, you know, it's like this, it's like, I remember clear as a bell, my daughter river, like one time she was running in target and she was very little and she fell and I immediately ran and picked her up. And it's like, I recognize that sometimes I think I'm still in that state of just like picking her up and I still want to pick her up. Right. And yet, oh man, friendships are hard. And I think there's been plenty of times where I've picked her up and I don't know that I've given her the full experience of feeling the crappy crap. And that's what it t- it's like. Am I walking alongside you or am I trying to rescue you from? Oh, that's good. Say that again, please. That was am really walking good. Alongside you. Yeah. Just having a conversation. I'm going, oh yeah, that makes sense. You feel that way. I'm giving you a little yes. tip on what to say. And then, or am I trying to rescue you from the pain, the shame, the humiliation, the embarrassment, instead of letting you befriend those emotions, tend to them. Is it because I'm so uncomfortable and I don't want you to feel that way. So I'm going to rescue you from that. Yes. We can go, you know what? It's okay. I'm just going to let her, let her process how she feels without feeling like I got to jump in and make her feel better. 
or rescuer from those emotions. That's what toxic positivity can do. So someone can say, I, you know, I felt humiliated yesterday. Someone said that you didn't know what you were doing in that meeting. I'm making this up. Right. You're awesome. Like you are so smart. And I'm going, but I don't believe that because I'm humiliated. And so it doesn't land. The intentions of the other person are pure and they love you so much. And they want you to feel because they see the worth in you, but you don't see it in the moment. So uh, going, oh my gosh, oh, that is so hard. Tell me more about it. I walk outside. How do we, how do we navigate? Cause I'm also thinking about what comes up for me is the whole thing about commiserating. So like, let's talk, give an example. So think about it, right? When you, we probably do this a lot with friends, like, yeah, you know, that feels like crap or he really is the ass or whatever it is. But when is that like almost toxic? Right. Cause it seems like there's this, um, almost this line to follow. If you swoop in and rescue and you're like, Oh my God, you're fantastic. Whether it's your kid or your girlfriend or whatever versus, Oh my God, you're right. It's terrible. You That's know, the same thing almost. Wow. Okay. Oh, that is- yeah. You're right. That's terrible. That's not really processing. That's still yeah. trying to make them feel better. Got it. Okay. So when you go, oh yeah, t- empathy says, oh yeah, that's hard. And it probably yeah. is hard for that person. Now I'm going to let them process that, right? We're going to process through They're going to share how they feel. If I'm like, yeah, he's a jerk. Now I'm right. just joining in. Cause I want you to feel you, you I want to, I'm going to agree with you. So you feel better. And, or, and, and, yeah. or so that I feel better because you're uncomfortable and I'm, it makes me uncomfortable. Exactly. Cause I'm uncomfortable with you crying and being upset. And I want you to, I want, I've you to definitely be- done that. Okay. I've bought the cat the next day after the other cat died. But I know that's like the worst thing in the world. Now that I'm like thinking about it, you know, um, oh my gosh. So how do we clean this up a little bit? Right. I mean, so in relationship, whether it's the love relationship, it's business, whether it's with your child, is it helpful to come back to circle back? Absolutely. Okay. Tell us a little bit about that because I know we're all thinking, we're all thinking like, holy crap, how can I now, how can I fix this? It's like, because sometimes for me personally, like I can see it in the moment where I was like, oh my God, and I'm trying to make her feel better or whomever. Right. And then I'm like, that really wasn't that helpful. I really, that I didn't hear the person or I, I was trying to be in fixer mode and doer mode and not listener mode. And so can we go back? Cause I've certainly gone back with river. Like, you know, I really heard you more, you know, and really like almost, and, and maybe more quickly, like not a week later, but relatively soon after having the moment of aha, like probably that wasn't as helpful as it could have been. How do we circle back and what would be a strategy that would be effective? And so that it's not making the person like get mired back in their pain so that we can help fix or make that, you know, be, um, what's the word so that we can, um, what word did you use that we can walk alongside them? What's like, we don't want to restir up the pain. How can we come back though and demonstrate that they were actually heard? The full conversation we're having, because we don't talk about this because you said something really powerful you're afraid you're going to stir up the pain for someone else again. Yes. And this is true for a a misattunement or where we try to jump in and fix and rescue. One is you're noticing your own. Am I doing this to comfort myself 
to make myself yeah. feel better? Or am I really acknowledging what I missed, yes. what I bypassed, what right. I dismissed, what I minimized, what I try to make it all better by saying how, you know, wonderful things are like, for example, with, with river and the cat, you mentioned that just now, Yeah, you could say something like, I want to circle back because I'm doing, I'm just more aware of, I'm wondering, I love the word I'm wondering. Yeah. I right? do say that a lot. Yeah, I'm, wondering, I'm, I'm wondering, yes. did you feel at all? Did you ha- feel like you had the opportunity to process the grief Yeah, around the loss of, and yeah. name? right, right, right. And, and if she says, yeah, I did. You said, okay. Cause sometimes teens do that. Right. They're like, yeah, I'm fine. And I find as feelings inside, not expressed. That's good. Everybody write that down. Say that again, please. Feelings inside, not expressed. Oh my God. I'm going to like, I'm we taking say this that. in our family. All the, they're like, oh my gosh, mom, feelings inside, not expressed. I'm like, yeah. So we really, good. it's something you can take with you forever going. Yeah. Oh, I'm fine. Okay. Feelings inside, not expressed. She says, I'm fine. So I'm here. I know losing a pet. It's grief, it's loss. And I want to just circle back and know if you want to talk about it or write in your journal or whatever, however you want to frame this, it's okay. And that makes a lot of sense. I didn't want to bypass that for you. You're just planting a seed and I'm here if you want to talk about it. Yes. And it doesn't have to be as big, right. As you know, the death of a cat, it could just be, like you said, somebody didn't sit with you or play with you on the playground, or maybe, you know, your spouse didn't get that promotion or didn't close that client or whatever his friends went out for whatever. And and you didn't get invited or even us. So how can, you know, so let's get back into a little bit too. So this has been so helpful. So I want to kind of summarize a little bit because I want to make sure that everybody got that. And because I, maybe I'm, you know, I want to have some clarity too. The pendulum swings both ways as far as being toxic. And one is, you know, immediately like, oh, you're right. He's an ass or whatever. And that swings over to, you know, really that like you think you're commiserating out of benefit to them when in reality, you're commiserating to help yourself feel better because you're uncomfortable with somebody expressing their emotional state. And that when somebody says, I'm fine, which to me, that's like red flag, they're just BSing me. But you and your family instead call it feelings inside, not expressed. Is that correct? Right. So we're going to use that now in the Bicknell household for sure. hundred <laughs> percent. So what does this look like? Let, let's talk. So great on the kids. Let's talk a little bit about how does this show up like in love relationships? You gave an example with, you know, a friend and children, but what does this look like in a love relationship? So let me give you an example because this okay, is good. a real life example. Okay. Ooh, my yes. and I, so I, I walked downstairs, you know, we're in a pan, we've been in a pandemic right, right. and been on the Zoom a lot. So doing telehealth sessions. And so I walked downstairs and my husband had put all the dirty dishes from the dishwasher back into the shelves. Okay. He was trying to be sweet, right? He was trying to be nice. And I'm like, I'm looking yeah, at him yeah. like, oh my gosh, all those dirty dishes are now right. right? Yeah, and I'm yeah. trying to like stay regulated. And he's saying, oh, I hope this was helpful. You know, I put the dishes away. I hope this is helpful. And I've had a rough day. And I totally bypassed, I've had a rough day. Okay. He's trying to share how he feels. Yes. 
Now, this isn't a po- toxic positivity moment. This is a bypass moment, which is the yes. same thing as toxic positivity, but I see yes. this a lot in couples. Okay. He said, I had a bad day, but I'm focused on you put the dirty dishes back into the cabinet. Right. Right. My brain is like, ah, panic. So I take a deep breath and I'm like, those are dirty dishes in the cabinet. I, t- I didn't even acknowledge that he's had a bad day. Yes. You see, I was dysregulated by my anxiety over the dirty dishes being in the cabinet instead of that really doesn't matter. He's saying he had a bad day and I totally dismissed even going, well, tell me more about that. How are you feeling? And we, sometimes it's hard because we don't have the language. We don't have the name for the emotion. Yes. Right. We weren't raised with, oh, how are you feeling? You feel sad. We weren't given the language. For emotion. That's why I'm so passionate about people doing this early, but yes. have a family or for yourself naming the feeling. So if I would have acknowledged and paid attention instead of not self-soothing and working on my own discomfort, right. My own anxiety over the dirty dishes being in there. And he was really, he said, Hey, I understand you're upset about the dishes, but I've had a really bad day. And I'm like, yeah, Okay. But it took me, I mean, I wasn't like, okay, let's talk about your day. I'm still triggered by the dishes, which is radical ownership says I needed to take a look at my anxiety. I needed to own how I handled that. Was it terrible? No. Was I human? Yes. So I'm not beating myself up. I'm trying to go, oh, I see that my anxiety was trumped my ability to be attuned and present. Yes. That's the key, noticing your own internal experience. And how does that take you out of being present and the ability and tolerance to have someone else have their own experience without you having to fix, rescue, or save, which you can't do anyways. Mm, So good. So, so very powerful. And I love that you gave an example that is so normal almost and relationships, right. And, and let's unnormalize it. Right. But the point is, is that sometimes the smallest little thing like dirty dishes, we can miss an opportunity to be connected with our partner and really hear them and, and reflect to them and um, be present for them. And that it doesn't have to be a dead cat. It doesn't have to be grand. It doesn't have to be this over the top. You didn't get a raise and you, you know, that you got in a car accident and like all of these things. It can be like, I think this is part of it is like to become more conscious to these um, small yet powerful interactions that can strengthen your relationship. Oh, I have chills about that. Those compounding effects of these small, seemingly irrelevant, right? It was like, you know, oh, I had a bad day. Well, how many times we say that? We say that like, that's a common thing for a lot of people to say, right? So you get to be like, oh, on to the next thing, but there's an opportunity there is what I really hear you saying. There's an opportunity to make that connection so that your partner feels valued, that you can feel also like I am present with him. Yeah. And if we all took a moment to take a deep breath and connect. Yeah. Now, it, when we're triggered, this is very, I'm making it sound yes. so just breathe. And no, we're, we're, we have to work super hard at this. When you take radical ownership for what's going on inside of you and your reactivity and your triggers, you will be more mindful because we are going to do it. Right. it just yes, of course. Reasons. 
So we're going to be more mindful and then we can circle the wagon back. So when you get this, just be positive. I want to go or just be strong. That's another message. Someone dies and you're like, you're so strong. Yeah. We mean well, we mean right. well, we're trying to be encouraging, but we're basically saying, man, you haven't really had a breakdown. We're almost teaching people that it's not okay to have authenticity and vulnerability. Yes. We have to just show everybody our strong self. And we grew up probably in a parentified, if we're parentified kids, we function sometimes as the parent and became yes. hyper-responsible. And so sometimes we've learned to put on a, a strong face and right. then that gets reinforced with that toxic positivity. Like, well, just be, you know, good vibes only, which on one hand I get, cause I don't want a bunch of, you know, Debbie downers. we don't want all Debbie downers and all drama and depression and all of the things. Right. And yet feel with our emotions, yeah. take radical ownership for our own emotions that is the key to coming back to center, self-soothing, learning to breathe through it, tending to your emotions, naming them, saying them out loud, which couples struggle to do because they didn't get that as children. They didn't get the language. They didn't see healthy relationships. I mean, how many of us did? Very few. Not me. It's funny that you even say this. My mother, her thing was just think positive or just be positive. It was always that. And, you know, my brand being about be bold, lead a life uncommon. It's it, that is the antithesis of everything I was taught. I was never taught be bold. I was taught be quiet. Yes. Don't speak up. I don't know what you're talking about. Keep it to yourself. Who do you think you are? Like all of those things. And I think that that is not a healthy message, of course, like that what you're saying for, for women, especially, right? Because that's my arena, right? Us women with that, you know, speaking out and sharing and being um, uh, vocal about how we're feeling what we're experiencing um, and how we can be the leaders in our own life, which really starts also with our emotional integrity for ourselves and for others. That's really being that radical leader, I believe. Yeah. When you say just be positive, you're not allowed to have any other feelings. Right. You're down to one feeling and how often, I mean, that comes and goes. Feelings are just messengers that come and they go and they come and they go. And we have multiple ones at the same time, but you're only allowed to have the one. And how many of us feel like that all the time? Nobody. Nobody. I think think that, you know, I've always taught, you know, as, as a clinician, really people have like, they voice like five emotions, like happy, sad, angry, overwhelmed, and excited. Like that's the, I think that today in today's world in general, that we are inarticulate about actual depths of variety of, um, types of emotion, right? Like anger, like mo- like anger is an umbrella. There's so many other emotions that really sh- might show up that you think is angry, that you're angry, but really it's disappointment. It's really frustration, but you've, you've glumped it all together. So I think exactly what you're saying about starting young and also that we need to be more articulate about our emotional state. Even if we've got to go online and find one of those things that have the happy faces and the sad faces and all the little emojis that say, you know, depressed and frustrated and like really become more articulate about it. So also when we're, when someone else is experiencing that, we can also maybe witness that, you know, with our children and with our coworkers and all, all the people where it's not just that, like, I'm feeling angry today, like, you know, 
tell me more about that. It could yeah. be that really there, you know, when you give that space to tell me more about that, that, you know, it's just like, I'm just angry, you know, what's your thoughts on then helping, like helping people have a, a larger vocabulary around actual feeling words, feeling names. I think the first step is we got to start being aware yeah. and then we can go, okay, we, we kind of neuroscience has whittled it down to seven. And then like you said, there's offshoots of that. So the seven right, are right. to give you a cheat sheet to start yeah. Yeah. is sadness, fear, which I'm seeing most of right now. I mean, right. that's what I'm seeing so much of these last several years. We are, we had them anyways. Yes. And guess what? We weren't allowed to have those as children. Right. Right. Okay. So that got pushed down into the body. And then we try to put on a mask and work our way through it. And then we feel so alone and disconnected because we're not being vulnerable because it wasn't safe. It wasn't okay. And then we have anger, which can also, to your point, be secondary also can be a defense, right? Right. Yes. We have discussed, which a lot of people don't really like to talk about that one. Um, (laughs) right. Cause they're like, Oh, that seems really harsh. And I'm like, and it's real. I mean, we're right. just by a lot of things. And then we have joy, which people want more of people crave excitement. And then we have sexual excitement. Yes. So those are the ones that have been whittled down. If you need to start somewhere, you can watch the movie inside out Disney movie classic oh, yeah. been there, right? They didn't have the sexual excitement. Want right. in the <laughs> excitement would have changed the storyline a little bit, a little bit. So yeah. It's, that is so good. It, it's connecting it. Notice where you feel it in your body. Um, and it's never too late. I mean, I have clients in their eighties and they're like, I wish I would have learned this earlier. And I'm like, and it, I get that there's a oh. lot of in that. And the fact you're doing it now and you can circle back and make repairs at any point in any relationship, whether it's a business relationship, a relationship you were in years ago, you can take radical ownership. Now it is not too late and you're doing it one to heal some of those parts that kind of got frozen in time. Yeah. And two, you're going, you know what? You're humbling yourself to say, you know what? I've learned a lot. I've grown. I didn't know this then. I know it now. And I want to circle back and acknowledge the hurt I might've caused you. How did you feel when that happened? And they're like, I don't even remember. (laughs) You're like, well, okay. Sometimes that happens. Like, I don't (laughs) remember what you're talking about. Right. And then other times like, yeah, that was really painful especially in relationships where you might've shown up with your inner child self being the one driving the train. So you were dysregulated a lot. Maybe you had, you know, you're reactive. And when we beat ourselves up, that just keeps us stuck in it. And when we can go, you know what, I'm, I realize this now I have information that I didn't have before. Yes. Beautiful. That's what it's all about. I love that you said that we can repair it because I do think that a lot of people think that, you know, the water is like the, the horse is out of the barn and that there's no circling back. And that's why I, I think that, um, once we become more self-aware and like you said, you take radical ownership that it's freeing for yourself to be able to circle back. And there's that moment where you, instead of being frozen in time, you like unlock yourself like unlock that and, and heal that. And I think we all need that. And especially today when we're under this exorbitant amount of pressure from outside, inside, um, politics, COVID, you know, kids online and like so many things that we've literally never 
ever experienced in our lifetime, nor had our parents, which maybe they've gone, you know, they've had some wars, which we might not have experienced, but so every generation has something huge and we're in our huge time right now. So don't be uh, like, I think the message too, is that, you know, that if you're triggered, don't be surprised. It's like, there's a lot going on. There's a lot. Okay. I love adding that on and it's okay. As long as I'm not projecting or hurting someone else. Right. However, I feel is okay. That might warrant given the situation, someone feeling anxious because of COVID. Okay. I say it's okay. Now I'm going to process it. I'm going to do something about it, which means I'm going to sit with it. I'm going to, I'm going to tend to it. Maybe I need to go talk to somebody about it. Maybe they're, you know, I'm going to write it out to get it out. There's a lot of ways when we bypass it, we're actually continuing the same generational patterns unconsciously. Right. And when we go, you know what, I'm going to tend to it. I'm not going to ignore it. I'm not going to dismiss it. I'm not going to minimize it. I'm going to face it. I'm going to face the reality of what really I'm feeling. So good, Kristen. I knew that we would have an amazing conversation and that your brilliance and your expertise would just be shining. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So so much. How can people get a hold of you? Because I know that uh, there's a lot of people that will that are listening to this or watching this. If you're uh, watching us on YouTube, that they're having an, a moment where they're thinking, "Oh, I do that. I need more. I need more. I need to understand more." How can people get a hold of you? The first resource that I have is Close yeah. the Chapter podcast, where I break a lot of this down. Right. So if you want more support on your healing journey. You can listen to that on repeat, no charge. That's why I love your podcast, Mary. I mean, they can listen to you go back to episodes and put over and over. If you need encouragement in the moment, you can put Mary on. You could, you know, if you need, depending on what the issue is, you can listen to close the chapter. You can get a five day healing guide. You can use this over and over. It's what I use with clients. I walk you through some tools to help you not feel so overwhelmed. You can get that at kristendboyce.com forward slash free resources and oh, get that in your inbox. And then on Instagram, LinkedIn, all the places, Kristen, all D. the socials, you know, all now, the socials. All the and socials. we'll have, we'll have all of the links, of course, in the, the show notes. Well, Kristen, it's been so good to see you again and catch up. And I really appreciate you coming on. I was so looking like it, when I knew I was going to do this podcast, I was like, boom, you came to mind. And I was like, I wanted to have you share your brilliance with everyone. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Mary. I'm just honored to be here. And it's so good to have this conversation. I loved it. So So good. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye everybody. Oh, you know what? Here, stop. One last thing I forgot because I was so like, in like my mind is wrapped around um, what I'm going to do to go back. Here's a question I want to end with. And I, I always ask this question. How do you define for yourself what it means to lead a life uncommon? I love your question. It's an Oprah question. Your Oprah question. Everybody gets a car. You get a car. You can feel better about yourself. You don't have to have dogs or cats activity. Go ahead. I love it. I love this. This is so great. Uh, Okay. So what is it to me to lead a life uncommon? Yes. This is the essence of what you came to do in this world is teach this. And I think when you can be a hundred percent yourself and tell the truth And I mean, radical truth in each and every moment about how you're feeling, 
what's going on. We're not masking. We're not covering. We're not shoving. We're not numbing it. And this takes, this is my lifetime journey, by the way. I'm not being like, oh, I got this all figured out. Right. It's a practice every day and taking radical ownership for your, and not what happened to you. (laughs) This is about how you feel on the inside and taking responsibility for that to transform it. That's what it means to lead a life uncommon. So good. Everybody go check out the show notes and get um, everything that you need to connect with Kristen. Talk to you soon. Bye everybody. Hey, you've been listening to the lead a life uncommon podcast. I'm here helping you create a life to allow you to do whatever the heck you want to do whenever you want to do it. If you got some value out of this, I'm going to ask you pop over and give a five-star review. Subscribe and share this with a girlfriend you know is ready to lead a life uncommon herself. And I want to give you a couple of things. Number one is pop over to marybicknell.com slash podcast. I have something called the guide to your hidden thoughts around money and success. You're going to uncover some good stuff there. It's a little workshop I'm giving to you. And another thing I want you to take advantage of is this exercise I did all around connecting with your evolved future self. You're going to love this exercise. It's going to be fantastic. In fact, when you're done, please, please, please go and tag me on Instagram or any of the socials and tell me what you thought. I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say, and I'll chat with you soon. Bye now.